0: Welcome back to episode 34 of Life on the Loop, hosted by Marcus Crow and the bald man, Patrick Ferdy Two guys grinding it out, logging bags, and living the dream. Join us every Wednesday from Tales on the Course, casual conversation, and
1: a dose of golf banter. Brilliant. 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 Subscribe. First thing I'm going to say subscribe.
0: <laughs> subscribe, episode 34. We have an absolute blinder, an absolute peach, an absolute gem.
1: It's probably our biggest guest, no? What do you think? A hundred percent. It's our most, what would it be, most professional, most accolades, most experienced, I guess, yeah. guest. Yeah. 24 um,
0: years on tour. 24 years on tour um, as, uh, we know from the last episode, we, uh, we were doing a, uh, Valspar pro-am as well as a celebrity pro-am and it did not disappoint. Um, but yeah, we were lucky enough to secure a very experienced high-end, uh, figure.
1: No, we did. And I, I want to put it into perspective. This guy, well, we can say his name, like, cause we're going to find out in a minute.
0: Yeah. Pepsi. Pepsi. Stephen Hale pepsi the man himself uh throughout this interview we obviously talk about his experiences and his time on tour and we learn uh, about
1: winning majors we learn about Ryder cups president's cups it's it's actually pretty interesting stuff so
0: but he has all the perspective from being in the game out the game uh seeing it from back in the 90s to what now really back on uh richie wierenski's bag right now and uh yeah, we, we dove straight into it. And luckily enough, we, we, we sat him down for a good 40, 45 minutes talking about his experiences. And i tell you what, it was quality.
1: I, I, think, I think we've introduced enough. I think we just rattle into it. We do. So here is our interview with Pepsi.
0: All right, so um, it is a, uh, it's a Wednesday afternoon. And i tell you what, I've de-thawed because I was freezing this morning. I don't know about you, Faraday, but I was absolutely. I I off. was
1: too, but you also were wearing shorts.
0: I was wearing shorts, but I had about three layers on top. So I'm not going to lie. I'm glad that I've taken every other layer off for uh, for this today. But we are joined by a uh, a veteran, a veteran in the business and uh, on the on the PGA Tour himself, um, Mr. Steve Pepsi Hale.
1: Welcome, Steve. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, it's yeah. a pleasure of, to be some of your time on, on what is Valspar Week. Big week in the calendar. Big, big week in the calendar. But uh, no, we're, we're excited. We'd, we'd love to talk to you about some stories and your experience and stuff. So I, I guess just if you, you want to give the listeners like a, a little background on where you started in the caddying world and kind of how it's got you to where you are
2: right well, now. Well, it's mine uh, as you might have learned um, over the years. Many, everybody's, every caddy story is a little bit unique and mine is no different in that I went to school out in California uh, in San Diego at San Diego State and we had all of January off. We didn't really usually go back to school until February 1st and I was in the golf business and then at that time they also he played the Bob Hope Desert Classic, which we know was in Palm Springs. And that used to be one pro and four amateurs and five days of competition. So they needed <laughs> 500 caddies. That is
1: brutal. <laughs> wow. A five-day uh, pro-am.
2: It was, it was, a, it was <laughs> f- five days. The, oh the the amateurs played the first four days and it was the pros only on the last day. God. Four different golf courses. Um, and then it became three different golf courses. And uh, they've... It's evolved quite a bit since then, but long story yeah. short, they needed a lot of caddies. And so I went out there to, for an amateur, ended up meeting a couple professional caddies who, you know, this goes back to the late 80s, and we were not playing for what we call tiger money. Yeah. So guys were always looking for free places to stay and doing whatever they could to budget on the road. So these guys wanted to come stay at my house in San Diego in a couple of weeks when the golf tournament was going to be there. and. Hmm. Uh, they did that, and they helped me get my first job with a professional for just a week, uh, and that went fine, no issues. The next year rolls around, we did the exact same thing, and this time they got me a job f- with a guy for the whole West Coast. Huh. And so I caddied on the whole on the PGA Tour for just the West Coast. Yeah. And then the next year, I ended up graduating in December, and here comes the PGA Tour again, and one, two, three, I'm on tour. Huh. So that's how it, uh, that was the short version of my introduction to the PGA Tour, and yeah. I worked kind of out here for four years full time. So, so you
1: never actually started like the country club route, I did not. correct?
2: No, I never was a club caddy at a country club until actually did, did later you, in did my life. Did you play golf? I, right I, I did, and that's yeah. part of why I was in the golf business and worked in, in retail and being around country clubs yeah. and you know cart barns and. Uh, did and did you ever have driving the pickers? Did you have any and,
1: ambition on like trying to be pro yourself or anything, or I you just never?
2: I mean, never. I, was very comfortable with the idea that I was not ever going to be good enough. It yeah. was you know there were parts of my game that I excelled at, and certainly parts that I was very uncomfortable with. Yeah. And was I knew I was never going to be good yeah. enough. And but now a professional green reader. Uh, I would not go there. I'm lucky. <laughs> very <laughs> I, I'm very lucky enough to say I, I caddy for a guy who is one of the best green readers I've ever worked for. Uh, very rarely have to get called in, which is can be a caddy nightmare. You know, That's, um, sometimes that's a you never right if, yeah. if your guy calls you. It's also it's true now. If my guy calls me in, well, you know you're already behind the eight ball because if he can't read it, then you know you're in a tough spot, <laughs> man. So, you know, good luck. That's funny. Are, are we just side out? Are we allowed to say
1: who the player is, or is that?
2: I don't know. So I, can, uh, I can't enough for Richie Worenski. Yeah, he's um, most people, and I'm not a. You know, I don't follow a lot of. I don't watch a lot of golf. Even you know, I'm in the business. Everybody knows the big break. And oh, yeah. And most people know Richie Worenski because he won the big break.
1: Dude, I didn't know that the, the other day. I had no idea.
2: Yeah, yeah, I think he's one of the only guys that really has done anything significant. Yeah,
1: I remember Tommy Ganey. He Having was on the big break. Well, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but Tommy, I don't
2: think he ever won. That. I'm not won sure. No, I, don't, I don't, don't think Tommy did. I think oh. he just had the personality that kind of got okay. him out there. And yeah, got maybe. Starts yeah, and, right. yeah and there were a few guys that certainly yeah. have, have earned yeah. some starts yeah. and gotten some play out yeah. here. Uh, yeah. that were on those shows even guys with Richie but Richie won I think it was uh, Palm Beach okay
0: nice. yeah, well, so well, I've
2: been with him for a few years now so Richie is you saying probably one of the best screen
0: readers you've ever been around
2: yeah, he is now no, I've, I've certainly I've worked for you know a few really good players and they certainly guys excel at different things And hmm. uh, but Richie you know, he gets uh, the sti- the sti- statistics that we get now are pretty intense. You can really nail it down and look at anything. Yeah. So maybe I'm being uh, a little more optimistic than I should be but I don't, but bottom line for me is he's a better putter than his stats show up. Hmm. The ball rolls great. He, I mean his ball is always around the hole. He doesn't three putt a, a lot um, and every putt he hits looks like he's got a chance to go in. Yeah. And there's uh, don't get to say that very often.
1: Uh, that's kind of interesting. So everyone talks about stats these days. Do you, do you kind of think the stats are not as important as, like, um,
2: the golf it's not channel that makes? I don't they're not that? as important, but they're maybe not as accurate as you want them to be. Hmm. I mean, it's a it's a slightly inaccurate system. There are, there are holes in the system, even in uh, the way some things are measured. And you see that as a caddy bec- if you're really paying attention in um, in the putting stats. You know, the, it, You know that that's a... Twelve footer, and that says it's a sixteen footer, or it says it's an eight footer. Oh, okay, I see. Um, because of the way the machine has read the the ball, and yeah, you know, they're getting better. And I'm certain that certain circumstances create, you know, variations. Yeah, is that something that you get things? involved
0: with the player itself? Like Richie's obviously is he's, he's, don't know how involved he is with the stats, but do you get in? Involved as much as him, or is it that's something that he does by himself, and you you concentrate on what you have to do and keep
2: him kind of focused in the zone or whatever it may be on the golf course. Well, in this case, it's neither one of those. In that he doesn't care that much about the stats. It's mostly just for perspective as a as a w- measurement, as a way to gauge yourself against others, maybe. Mm-hmm. But I really feel like his he's a better putter than the stats show up. You know, if you looked at. Uh, you know the overall stats of my show that he's thirtieth or fortieth. I don't even know what the number is. But, yeah. You know, but he's yeah. He sure. hits a lot of good pots. Because like I was I was walking
0: it. down, uh, so we we had the the fortunate um, you know ability to talk to to Richie for for a few holes out there on on Monday uh, when we met uh, Pepsi. By the way, I want to dive into that nickname too, as well because that's quite cool. Um, and he was telling me, you know. What is kind of he, what he looks for in a caddy relationship? And, and obviously, you've been on this bag for, for you say four years now. Yeah, we took a small break. Small break. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and he, was, he was looking for, he was more looking for a professional, kind of more, not really intense, but more of a kind of like a, a, a figure where you can go for, where it's not all fun and banter. And, and, and obviously, he's become a lot closer in friendship, he said, but he likes that kind of the line. And he doesn't like that line to be crossed because then it, he, he said it can get slightly messy or it can get slightly you know indifferent. But where do you stand when it comes to caddying? Do you like to be more of a friend or do you like to keep it professional in that line? Can be we kind of
2: well. I think this. Um, you, you look at the bigger picture. Um, I'll step back a little bit. There are many caddies out here that have great relationships with their players, um, and they can be professional only. And there are many caddies out here that have great relationships with their players, and they're also very good friends with them, um, and they do things socially together. I'm a very private person. I'm a very—I um, you know, have no social media. I'm not, i not—I don't go out in public much. I'm, just, I'm part of the older crowd, and I, you know, it's a whole different part of the conversation. But I'm—you know—I don't know how much longer I'll be caddying. Yeah. There's a lot of uh, new young caddies that are that are uh, a lot more socially savvy than I am, mm-hmm. let's say. But the, uh, for me, so bottom line, for me, it's a very professional relationship. Um, It usually always has been. It's only a couple times a year we might do anything socially together. Um, But that's just, that speaks something to Richie's personality, as you've mentioned, and to my personality as well, and it's part of why we might be a good team. Yeah. Yeah. How do you think caddying's changed since you started to what it is now on tour? Well, I'm in a very unique situation in that when I started caddy and I caddied for four years full time, and then um, my girlfriend at the time said, you know, pick me or pick caddy, and I picked her, and I uh, were married and had been together for, you know, 35 years, and I was went away for 12 years. I had a real life and real job, and... You missed it. And a career. I did miss it a little bit, you know, because I actually I loved it, and, yeah. uh, you know, but I knew... Backtrack, I knew picking her was the right thing, and, and leaving at that time was the right thing. 35 years is long. It's yeah. good yeah. for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, good for her. I mean, full good credit for her. Because <laughs> I mean, I've been back now, so I took 12 years of real life, real jobs, uh, different story, the, and came back in 2005. So I've been back now for nearly 20 years, and at that at the time I came back, my kids were four and six, and, you know, and I go... I'm on the road for 30 weeks at that time. So it takes a it takes a real strong team, and, and that team has to be stronger at home than it is on the road.
0: so You probably learned a lot in those 12 years as well with you know taking that into caddying, right? Because from what we've learned from caddying, we've taken all our skills, whether it be in school and life in general, and just being out there and, and comforting whoever it may be on the bag and whoever the guest is, whoever it may be. It's, it, it really is. It, being a caddy is kind of like your psychiatrist. Your, you, you know, you, you know, your mom or your dad or anything like that. It's, you're playing several roles when you're out there,
2: right? You, you are, uh, yeah. And you've just reminded me to come back to your original question and how the, we got, you know, I got off track on the story. But when I started caddying, it was before Tiger. You know, Tiger just came onto the scene when I left in 1992, my last year. And then i am gone for 12 years. I kept in touch and I caddied it five or six times over those 12 years. Hmm. But when I came back, Tiger's, you know, it's 2005 and it's full-blown Tiger's king of the world. And we're playing for money that's uh, obscene and it's even more obscene today. Um, And so it changed significantly. With that money came lots of professionalism across the board for caddies for players for trainers psychologists teams and entourages and uh the whole environment changed um in the 12 years that i was gone and and you know it's evolved since i was kind of a was it a shock in a in a way that you kind of adapted
0: pretty quick or was it something you had to and also who who did you you know who did you jump on the bag in 2005 or did you kind of jump around it no no
2: it was it was a kind of a a unique situation it was and it's a there's a cool story that, you know, the short version is there was a whole lot of karma involved. When I came back, I get to, came back for one week for Shane Birch. The short version is I put a note on his door. He's a neighbor of mine. lives 500 yards from me, and I did not know him from Adam. And for circumstances, he says, can you go to Panama tomorrow? I put the note on his door, and an hour later, he asked me to go to Panama. Huh. And, um, and it worked out well. And but I, it was only one week um, a couple other things had to come together and I'll try to keep the, sh- the story really short so I come back to Caddy full time and I caddy for Johnson Wagner for five years and after so when I come back to Caddy and it's about six months in and that very first week that I came back with Shane he said I, if you stay out here I could see you caddying for Johnson sure enough six months later I caddy for Johnson now we go two full years of caddying for Johnson. and Johnson and Shane are never once paired together. The very first time they ever do get paired together is the 2008 Shell Houston Open, and Johnson Wagner shoots nine under the first day and three under the second day, and Lee goes wire to wire and wins the golf tournament. And Shane got me back in the game in 2005, and then he got the witness, because we were paired together the first two days, Know, kind of everything come full circle and see me huh. get my first win on the PGA Tour. That's so a lot of credit to Shane Birch. Love that. Love That's that. That's a yeah. pretty cool story. Yeah. That yeah. is. Yeah, and there's some different threads to it that even make it even better. But but, I will always uh, be thankful to Shane. That's awesome.
1: That's cool. Well, let's delve into quickly and then we'll go back to the other stories. The name Pepsi. How, how did this come to be?
2: Well, I drink a bunch of I mean, bottom line, that's <laughs> where it comes from. So I always have one. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I, drink I have my little baby blanket that's in my hand right <laughs> now. <you> know, I <laughs> rattle it here with me. You know, to yeah. That's like our
0: cocktails. You let, it's funny you don't know this, uh, Steve, but you know, when we first started off, me I mean, fairly when were doing this, we, we would drink during the podcast. So we would constantly hear ice rattling. So that's yeah, quite funny.
2: Well, fair enough. You know, there, that's <laughs> funny. In your honor. <laughs> <laughs>
1: so it. I remember before we'd really met, we were on the tee, and I saw, I heard someone, cr- we had both heard it, We heard someone crack a can, and we were like, what the devil is that? Yeah. Someone cracking a nuna? Yeah, we we'll yeah. turn around as you just pouring a Pepsi into your into your <laughs> right, bottle. <laughs> I needle it coming off a
0: red eye. <laughs> sure. yeah. and I, I did uh, I did read up too. Like you, you like to play a little few little jokes. I just leaving Pepsi cans around around kind of like the either the clubhouse or on the course. Is that is
2: that true? Or? Absolutely true. <laughs> and, and then as uh, in further you know in our practical junk of caddy worlds, you know as a kind of a I don't know a breaking in of some kind of a, a little hazing ritual. I'll try to get my Pepsi into my into one of the rookie's bags if I get paired with a rookie or somebody that I'm just starting to get to know I'll get a Pepsi or two in his bag <laughs> and then pull that's it good. out after 15 holes make sure he knows that it's been in there that's fine <laughs> I love that So, I, but yeah. the, um, the background is I've I grew up Mormon was told for years and years and years you can't you can't you can't Huh. and then at some point found out that my parents had been sneaking them for who knows how long and game over I was no as many as I could from that point That's forward. That's brilliant.
0: What is, your, what is your choice of drink?
2: Um, it's Pepsi. I, I mean, it right. absolutely is Pepsi. I drink almost nothing else. I mean, a, a big beer for night, a big night for me, sorry, is, you know, three beers and it's usually something brownish. Yeah.
1: But
0: okay.
2: That's funny. Any On Avertowny
0: Pepsi. This is this is great. We can we through this podcast we can
1: get you a Pepsi sponsorship. Honestly, well, so you can get it on the if Pepsi are listening. Yeah, <laughs> <find> <laughs> me to a be, better ambassador. That, I don't think there is one. There
2: isn't. Well, that, so. to be to be fair, they've um, obviously I've had the game for a while, and it's it's been in the marketplace for a little while. That um, just straight to the point. I don't want a Pepsi sponsorship. Okay, <laughs> okay. I right, forget that, Pepsi. That. Well, that. no, it's fine. It's in <laughs> I don't want it to be about me. Okay. It's okay. if my guy's got a Pepsi on his bag, and they want to double up and do something and put one on my shirt, that's fine. But me wearing a Pepsi logo makes it about me, and I don't hmm. want to do that. Okay. Um, just because it's not, you know, in my first four years I caddied before I took my big break. I would have, but it's you know, the show's not about caddies. Yeah, we're, we're the background, and that's okay with me. This yeah. is
1: back to that professionalism, you know. Yeah,
0: and 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 I feel like that's also as you said, how the caddying world has changed, right? Uh, Tiger money came in, uh, entourage and the team, the professionalism, right? It's, it's, it really is, because you got, I mean, as you said, you get pulled in for a part that could be worth $50,000, $20,000. So it's, it, it is, it, it's something that, you know, we see a lot as well with how much the pay's increased from I'm sure when you started to it is now, there's a certain level of responsibility that you have to obtain throughout the round Otherwise, the guy's gonna be like, well, "What am I paying you for?" Right? Absolutely, um, of course. That's awesome. That's cool. So you have also caddied for a uh, another high high end tour pro, Mr. Keegan Bradley.
2: I did. Yeah. How uh, many years was that for? Five, pretty much. Five. It Seems to be uh, my my go to number. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. know, we all have a shelf life, and so maybe that's mine. It seems I feel to, like that's more know, longer right than here. the but
1: averaged. Longer sorry? than the average kind of caddy relationship, no? Well, Do you think?
2: D- um, you know the it's hard to say an average because there are many yeah. that go for many many years there are some uh and i think over the last few years i think the relationships have tended to last a little bit longer hmm. um and i don't mean there are uh, there are a few reasons that might have happened and it, but one of them if we've been out here a long time there's a joke that we'll that we talk about that uh, comes up every once in a while and I don't know if this will go in the podcast or not, but we call it the friends and family tour. Huh. Okay? Every time there's a financial crisis or COVID or some other major happening that upsets people's apple carts, you see a lot of friends and family come out to caddy. Hmm. And then maybe the professional has a couple of struggles and he's losing his car, but the caddy stays. So that's part of the evolution of how things have changed out here, and how you know new caddies come to the scene. They come out with their friends or their buddy, or their you know they played college with golf with them. But that also creates a stronger bond, and so those relationships last longer, yeah, and are a little bit stronger. And that's I think that's why you see the average you know relationships uh, creep a little bit higher.
1: Yeah. How how does the conversation go when like a player caddy relationship comes to an end? Is it well, I mean, for one, it's never easy, whether it's yeah. coming
2: from the player or the caddy, and it can come from either way. Usually it's coming oh, from the player. Yeah, but I've never
1: really thought of it, being the other way around,
2: like caddy firing a player. Yeah, it happens quite often. I mean, the first time, Richie and I have taken a break, and, and I quit Richie once because oh. I was offered a very high-profile job and a very lucrative job. I went to work for Sanjay M, um, and worked for him for about six months and got fired at my first missed cut. So that's the yeah. that's the the struggle you know sometimes with caddying. Yeah. You, know, you have to f- understand both sides of it, and that's the downside. But there were you know there are pros and cons with every job. Yeah. Um. And, and we'll we try not to talk about the cons and put too many people under the bus. But yeah, I was I was happy to have the time I had with Sanjay. I had some great memories. Got to go to the Presidents Cup and actually see the nice. international team and the the oh, international yeah. side of the Presidents yeah. Cup. Yeah. Uh, which I've been lucky enough to do some Ryder Cups, some President's Cups, and see both sides now, and it's, that's Interesting. Like unique. What, was there a big, did you notice any differences? The, the international team has a lot more fun than the U.S. team really? ever has ever had. Now, I'm, you know, and maybe it was a matter of circumstances that it was a road game, and, and you were in Australia, and half the, you know, a good portion of the team was from Australia. This was at Royal Melbourne. Was
1: and this the one that where Tiger played just a few years back?
2: It was. Yeah, where he was the captain. Yeah. Captain. Yep. Damn. And... You know, so we had, you know, Ernie Ells was our captain, yeah. And Ernie has got of, you know, Ernie knows how to live a life, and he's gonna help us live a life, and is is kind of captain, right? helped Ernie, us live
0: a life, Ernie, a few times, and I can tell you, Ernie is one fun character. So I, I, I'm glad that you got to experience that. Cause yeah. Ernie is a is a good guy. He also sports a big charity, autism, which is special to me as well. Which is which is kind of cool. So yeah, that's that's kind of a sp- cool cool experience.
2: Yeah absolutely yeah we're very lucky to, to be a part of that team you know we, we almost pulled it off yeah. it was uh, neat to see the other side
1: what are the American players like bantering you because you're on the oh, international not spec? So much. No. not so
2: much there was a lot of other controversy that week and and as I um, as I get more experience and I do more of these things I I get better in every one of them and I learned some mm-hmm. lessons there about how to not get sucked in. You know, I got sucked into a couple of situations and all yeah. I know that I'll do better next time too. Uh, it's just, you know, there was uh, a whole lot going on as there always is.
0: At those yeah. kind of events. And at Ryder Cups too. I mean, the adrenaline and the atmosphere must just be electric,
2: right? Uh, it's nothing like it. There's Wh- just nothing like it. Which Ryder that. Cups were you at, caddying at? I, I was lucky enough to caddy for Keegan in 2012 at Medina. Yeah, when the Europeans came back on Which Sunday, for us
1: is one of our absolute all-time highlights. Not, yeah,
2: uh. it's I can understand why. <laughs> you know, and full credit, really full credit. And there's a, there's some different things that happen around that event, not that anything earth-shattering, but just you know so, how sometimes you get a vibe, and sometimes you get a feeling, and they have an instinct about some stuff, and it just huh. for me there was a weird instinct on. Saturday night. Saturday afternoon when they came back and Ian Poulter yeah. won four holes in a row. Poulter blitzed to, uh, at the end.
1: Absolutely.
0: And full credit to him. Well, didn't I think Davis Love, didn't he bench Phil for that Saturday afternoon when Keegan and Phil were on absolute fire?
2: Um, I don't remember that. Okay. Okay, to be fair, I don't remember that. He may have.
0: Gotcha. Uh, and it was something that it, it, even the Americans, even the Europeans were like, well, thank the Lord that happened because they were they got three points. I think the highest points that they did overall. Um, that Ryder Cup. So that's interesting. So you, with a Ryder Cup being said, you I remember you telling me briefly a story uh, out there on Monday and you got goosebumps. Yeah. You, know, you were literally like, that's how special it is. It you it have to live through it or see one to really get that. You know,
2: and I'm getting them feeling. now just thinking about it again too. <laughs> I, 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 it's yeah. such a cool experience to be part of a Ryder Cup. And if you, as a spectator, I feel like you, everybody that's in the golf position should go to one once. Oh just to feel it and to sense it and to, to feel that energy. That being said, as a spectator, it's a really, really difficult event to go see. Maybe with the exception of Sunday when you've got 12 different groups on the golf course at one time. Yeah. And so things get a little bit more spread out. But but to, if you boil it down, you've got four groups on the golf course. And who knows how many spectators try to watch four yeah, right, groups. Yeah, on at three holes of golf, basically. Yeah, yeah correct. That's... Yeah.
1: You, you did tell, can you tell us that story about the first tee shot because you, your guy had the honor right of
2: the first tee shot I, we did so uh, it was the very so this was Friday at Medina and it is Keegan Bradley and Phil Mickelson in the very first match against Luke Donald and Sergio Garcia and it's alternate shot and um, this story came up the other day when somebody asked well I'm I'll end up get going sideways. Let's not go there. The <laughs> <laughs> um, there's a, a certain amount of energy. Okay, that's where this all came from. About being at these Ryder Cups and and how do you contain it and what do you do to to, to use it? And this I think goes back to some of the things that are are really really magical about Phil Mickelson. I know he's taking a lot of heat in the last. You know, with the way golf's evolved over the last year, but as a teammate and as a captain, and or potential captain, um, he was really good at things like this. He knew that Keegan Bradley was going to be nervous. Okay, who wouldn't be? It's your very first Ryder Cup. Okay, and it's your you're the
1: opening match. I don't know how they do it. I'd be I'd be so nervous. Uh, Correct.
2: (laughs) So, right before we're ready to go, you know. Phil knows Keegan's gonna hit this shot. He basically went up to Keegan and he said, I don't want an eight iron in. I don't want a nine iron in. I want (coughs) a wedge, (laughs) okay? (laughs) Meaning, go up there and knock the crap out of this thing. And uh, just let it go. Go go be you, don't, there's no holding back here, okay? And Bill basically, I I don't remember the language of the second half of the conversation was because it was something that you start to get ingrained from Phil the more you hang around him. But it was basically, I got your back. Wherever you hit this, I'm going to do something good with it. And I'm going to do something cool with it. And we're going to go kick ass. And that was the vibe yeah. that you always got from him. You know, and that's a cool part about having a, a good teammate.
1: Did he pipe that drive as well? He smoked
2: it. <laughs> 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 and he we had a wedge. I don't remember if we won the hole. I'm pretty sure that we won the hole. Yeah. Uh, I remember th- right from the very first hole that there was a ruling with a sprinkler uh, You know that they didn't like their, the outcome, and here comes the second official. I mean, that's how juicy it was right from the beginning. Oh, I love that. that was, you said it was against Sergio and, and Luke Donald? Uh, correct. And at this point, they had. Um, they had a perfect record in alternate shot. I think they were five and zero in alternate shot. That's impressive. Um, you know, I know they never lost. I don't know what the number was. But I think it was five and zero. And then Keegan Dillard and the series, and yeah. Phil put a put a. You know, they played well. Um, and Keegan made about a twenty footer to seal the deal. On I think we won f- four and three, maybe nice. five and four.
0: It's pretty yeah. amazing. damn. Yeah. At the time, I mean, Luke Donald was. Potentially, maybe number one in the world. Probably, yeah. Was. Was, yeah. yeah. Um, Indeed. And Sergio was just Sergio. I mean, nothing could really go wrong. Yep. At time as well. So. Yep.
1: Did, did Keegan ever say anything to you about like he was he, he, like Look, I'm I'm really nervous right now or anything went, like that?
2: Um, it would come at moments, but not like right before the first tee. Yeah. so Maybe it was a lot more. Um, and I don't even. I don't have any specific memory of exactly when he did, but. Yeah, the conversation would come up a couple of times and maybe that was even more the next Ryder Cup I'm going to go back to that in Scotland yeah um, you know maybe he just felt things differently but you know he would allude to it but this is a, to me is a good nervous energy I want to see yeah. Keegan Bradley with some of that nervous energy you yeah know, if he's you know we've all seen him over the years and the way he can people call it twitchy but yeah. I l- loved the way that he would back off a golf shot as a caddy to me i want my guy to be ready and if he's not ready i want him to be have the mental capacity to back off and start over and i always thought that that was one of the greatest things that he did ever yeah he caught a lot of grief for it is there ever a moment when you just just you've you've given him a club
0: whoever it may be richie or, or keegan in the past and and you've gone shit i don't like it do you ever just when he's literally about to pull it do you go no or do you just let it? How do you deal with that?
2: It, it's um, it's one of the hardest things to do as a caddy because it's as you know caddies know it's it's a moment to moment thing because sometimes it's predicated on the wind. Yeah. If you're if Definitely. you're that you know it dialed into the shot, and I'll tell you this that um, I did it this year in Phoenix um, right before he was going to pull the trigger. And it did not work out very well. Oh, oh. Okay. was it? It wasn't. Uh, most of the time, it does. Okay. Okay. And I, w- I will try to give myself some credit. And most caddies out here, some credit. I feel like most of the time, if uh, I see a caddy back their player off, especially last minute, more often than not, they've done the right thing. Huh. Um, but sometimes a player just has a picture in his head, and you know, he might. You know, they always know. They know more than you whether they're going to hit a good one or not before they pull the trigger but you don't know that <laughs> yeah and sometimes uh in this case in phoenix i backed him off and then when we got back in there and did it again we hit it in the water and it made the rest of the day a little struggle oh <laughs> no nah. damn so but yeah it's always a tough thing to do is is when to do that but that's part of why we're there that's yeah. part of why i i feel like you know one of my strongest out ad- Attributes is reading the wind I feel like I'm really really good at reading the wind and seeing where it's coming from and knowing when it's gusting and watching you know every element of the trees and hmm. when I say the trees it's not not just watching the stuff that's you know that's 30 yards away I'm watching the stuff that's 200 yards away from and where it's coming from and how far you know how much it's gusting and is that something you've learned over the years or is that something that you've always had a knack from the start both. Okay. Uh, both. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I always felt I was good at it, but I learned to be better at it and to the point where I can, you know, see when the wind's dying or I'm paying attention to when the wind is dying and when the wind is gusting and yeah. uh, when it might be switching directions. Uh, Monday out here was particularly weird because it, it was uh change of directions quite often, you know, and that makes it hard as a caddy, for sure, yeah. especially with, when you have tree line courses like we have here.
1: Yeah. Did you ever have, like, a mentor, like, a, in the caddy yard, like, who you looked up to or you, you'd ask, like, what do you do in this situation? Like, how would you deal with this?
2: Not, not so much. At this level, when you come out to caddy at this level, so much of what you have to learn is about traveling. Hmm. And so what you're learning is how to get from a to b and when i honestly when i started it's a different world there was no you know you're still using your rand mcnally and still <laughs> passing handwritten directions to get from <laughs> a to b and you know no cell phones or anything so that's yeah certainly a different world and so you would have uh, you'd hope to have a veteran that would kind of take you under your wo- his wing and show you yeah. a, l- a little bit to help sure. guide you around yeah um and And I was able to do that a little bit when I came back in 2005, even though we were kind of just starting the smartphone era and the internet really being widely available for everybody. But, um, you know, you know, I was new to being back on the road, you know, was very familiar to me and I was able to take a rookie and kind of do the same thing for him. Yeah.
1: So uh, I'm kind of interested. So like a week like this, the Valspar week, what, what, what is like the day to day? Like when did you fly in? Yeah. So of,
2: most of our travel, you know, the, um, I guess the easiest way to say this, when you're playing weeks consecutively, um, you know, it looks a little different than when you're only out for a, on the road for a week. Yeah. But that's pretty rare, uh, at least for the guys that are in caddying and for players on my level or right now. We call it a little bit of a joke, but the, is you're on the, are you caddying on the PGA Tour or the PGB Tour? The PGA Tour is going to the, the huh. majors and going to the WGCs and the match play. I like that.
1: That's quite, that's quite funny. Right? And
2: the, <laughs> PGB. And the PGB Tour is going – We go the island tour. You're going to the Puerto Rico yeah, and right. the Dominican Republic <laughs> next week. And, um, <laughs> you know, so it, it's um, – but when you're traveling, generically, it's a little bit of travel on either Sunday night or Monday morning, okay? depending on when your guy needs to be there kind of going back to some other conversations we've had, Richie Wierenski played in the Monday Pro-Am because he wanted to see the golf course more than once. Yeah. But he's not eligible to play in the Wednesday Pro-Am. So if he wants to see the golf course more than once, he's going to play Tuesday and back, you know, you kind of work backwards into playing on Monday also. Yeah. So um, it's always some kind of travel on Monday. Um, usually even some light practice. Even if you've traveled, there might be light practice. Occasionally it'll be a, it'll be a day off hmm. uh, for him and for me also. If it's a new golf course or someplace I've only been once, then I'm still going to be working on Monday. I'm still going to go walk the golf course without him and revisit. The, um, even if it's a golf course maybe I haven't seen in a couple of years, I'll go walking on Monday uh, without him. Tuesday is always a pretty full day. With Richie and with most players, some combination of full day of practice, full day of play. Um, with the last couple of years, a uh, couple of years ago, they made a change to the pro am format, where we play nine holes uh, only. Yeah, most events or yeah. some events are where it's an eighteen hole pro am. Do you like that or dislike that? It's mu- it's much better. Yeah, um, I so. you know, I, we think it gives the the amateur is a little better experience too. They get to meet two pros, have a little different experience with each of them, but it obligates the pro for less time. So yeah. I mean, as you guys are become well aware programs got here can take longer than five hours. And when you add warm up on top of that, um, the pros not really going to get much good practice in on Wednesday, the day before he's going out to play for obscene amounts of money. Yeah. So it's, um, you know, Wednesday, the Tuesday is always a, big practice day. Wednesday is some combination of uh, playing and practice. Most guys that are going to be in the field here are going to be in the pro-am on Wednesday for at least nine holes, but that allows them you know, a couple hours of good practice time without overdoing it. Your practice schedule on Wednesday is a little bit dependent on what your tee time is on Thursday. Okay, If you're playing early on Thursday, then maybe it's a little lighter or it's a little earlier um, in the day just so you can be rested and you be ready for the 4:30 a.m. wake-up call Jeez. On Thursday morning. Um, and conversely, if uh, you know you're not playing till Thursday afternoon, and then Friday morning, maybe you can go a little harder on Wednesday or you know, yeah, do a little bit more work on Wednesday.
1: Yeah. Well, what time are you guys out tomorrow, first round? 8:13. 8:13. So, what's the schedule look like
2: for tomorrow morning? So, with Richie, is always ballpark hour and 15 or so then you give or take a couple of extra minutes based on how far things are from one uh, of your needs to another. You know, in this case, the locker room is a little ways away. We get shuttled up here. But once you're up, you know, on campus, per se, the driving range is right next to the putting green, right next to the chipping green, Mm -hmm. and literally steps to the first tee. Yeah. So you don't really need to build in too much extra time or any extra time. You might even, you know, just back work backwards a couple of minutes but everybody has their own routine uh, for some guys 45 minutes is enough richie you know he likes a good hour and 10 yeah to, to you know first he'll pot for 10 minutes then he'll go hit balls for 30 minutes uh work pretty much all the way through the bag then go uh hit some chips and bunker shots for 10 more minutes and then 10 more minutes of putting and be ready how do you prepare
0: and and does it Depend on how big the tournament is, or is it pretty much the same?
2: No, I mean tournament? the preparation should be the same. Obviously, we all things get a little heightened when you go to the really special and the really cool events. Um, but my preparation is always in the nights before, uh, with uh, thankfully the internet and the ability to get a lot of our information delivered digitally. We can see the whole locations um, the night before, uh, which is the, the majority of my work. You're matching that with the, your weather forecast. I'll just do a mental walk through of my round. Uh, in, in addition to making notes on my my book with where the whole locations are, but it's just a mental walk through the round of all right. Well, I, uh, if the wind's going to be X, then I know, then you know, first tee is going to be downwind off the right. You know, second tee is going to be downwind off the right. Third's back in on yeah. the left. And just walk way way through the round, given the weather situation, especially here in Tampa, where the wind blows and blows significantly and can make it. Uh, be influential throughout the rest of your round. Um, you know, in the mornings, it's um, there's not really much else to do. Like, m- most of my preparation goes into just preparing my yardage book. You know, yeah. some of that is um, early in the week. My preparation is taking the notes that I've made from previous years. I always bring yardage books from at least a couple of years worth of notes, especially since there's Richie's notes. I have every oh, single okay. shot that he's hit. And those yardage books go with me during cool. the practice round so that when we're playing on Monday and playing on Tuesday it's like what did we always hit here this doesn't feel right well alright we've hit three wood here and you show him here's here, three wood downwind two iron you know a driver right. into the wind interesting so what, what what's the what's your
0: one or maybe two superstitions when it comes to caddying is there any left shoe on first right mm, shoe couple of tees no, in the pocket
2: no no none of that stuff for me it's more and I don't you know um, there are, are some standards out here that are on tour that are, I've been really bothered by that have evolved and have changed. Our bunker raking has gone to shit. Huh. Kay? Interesting. It's a professional caddy. I expect more of uh, of what we're getting. You know, more of more than what we're getting. Let me ex- yeah. rephrase yeah. that. The bunkers are raked terribly, way too often, um, and that's true on Thursday through Sunday. But COVID was one of the worst things that ever happened because when COVID hit and we came back we were one of the first sports back and full credit to to our leadership for allowing golf to be one of the first sports back and to help everybody get through this COVID thing by being outdoors and doing other stuff. But there were no bunker rakes. Okay? When you went to play golf, you didn't nobody raked bunkers oh, yeah, anymore. Yeah. Nobody yeah. wanted to touch bunker rakes. And when we were came back out it was we were instructed to try to not, you know, to not even pass the flag stick from one to another. So the short, you know, the you kind know, of the sideways outcome of that was no bunkers ever got raked on Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday. Huh? Okay. <laughs> so your practice rounds, if you want to have a game with your buddies, well, you now you're hitting it into bunkers and their footprints and so you <laughs> have to move it. And, but it just became caddies became lazy. And I, I, w- I don't want to say that we're all so lazy, but it, created different expectations from the players because in the past you were you needed time to go rake that bunker well now they don't want you raking rake in the bunker in fact they didn't put rakes out on monday tuesday and wednesday for a while okay because they didn't want us even touching the rakes well then you're spending a lot more time with your player up around the greens and you're chasing and shagging balls for him and chip helping him chip and putt that sort of thing well then when the rakes came back well your guy kind of you still feel a little guilty you're trying to be up there as much as you can for your player mm-hmm. and he feels like you should be up there more to, to help him sh- shag and chip and pot yeah well so bunkers aren't getting raked on tuesdays and it continues to happen going now we'll go back to a friends and family tour people who come out with not a lot of caddy experience or with just um maybe even just lower standards and maybe i'm just getting the old f- for mm-hmm. You know, uh the old man that's just a little <laughs> curmudgeon-y. But yeah, bunkers are a big issue for me right now. I, I honestly, if I'm if I'm
0: honest, I thought that on every hole around every green, I thought there was either a volunteer or somebody who knew how to, to rig bunkers. I didn't know it was the actual caddies who rigged bunkers. I didn't know that.
2: Okay. Well, so Did this you? goes back. I thought it would have been I, oh yeah,
0: one person. You know what I mean? It would have been a lot more convenient for, for the caddies. But then also, like, I mean, just for example, right? If if you were second group out, second group, you know, leading or whatever, and you've got someone behind, and you're purposely not breaking a bunker particularly well because you, hopefully he might go in the bunker and he's going to shoot uh, him. That's an interesting
1: thought. Kind of like sabotage. Yeah. Within the rules, right, I that. guess. Yeah. I mean,
2: yeah. So, like, so, sorry, I'll jump in. No. One of the greatest things ever, one of my favorite events is the open championship okay all okay? right I like that and one of the f- one of my f- the reasons I you know a lot of reasons I'm in love with you know with Scottish golf and Lynx golf but at the open championship they have bunker rakers with every group yeah that's where I've seen that's it. what I thought okay yeah and th- obviously they're the superintendents from around the local areas they know how to rake bunkers okay and they have no skin in the game so they're going to yeah. do a professional job okay there are i there are unnamed players out here I will not say their names but there are guys who have told their caddies I don't care if you do a shit job raking the bunker okay please do a shit job raking the yeah. bunker <laughs> yeah. no, because I that, yeah. it only affects the people behind you. 100% yeah. Yeah.
0: well that's the greatest ever story was, was Sandy Lyle and between him and Greg Norman with, with spike marks Sandy Lyle yeah. used to drag his feet and Greg Norman told him that my putter is about to go somewhere you don't like it if you keep doing it and Sandy Allen a big boy, and he knew <laughs> what he was doing as much as he wasn't the smartest of cookies. So, yeah, it's just, yeah. I, but, yeah, I was quite interesting. I genuinely thought that huh. someone was out there, like you just said, about the British Open. I didn't know Caddy's rigged bunkers. That's, that's interesting. Yep, That is interesting.
2: So we're not as good as, it, as we used to be, and, and we need to do better. Huh. Awesome. Yeah.
1: Uh, I, I would like to, before we wrap up, I would just like to talk about the major championship you won.
2: Because
1: yeah. that, that's, that's pretty cool, right? To actually win a major?
2: There's, yeah, no, no question. And it changes, obviously, it changes Keegan's world. It changed my world a little bit.
1: So, th- this is the Keegan Bradley won the PGA in uh, 2011. Uh, Atlanta 2011 Atlanta, Atlanta Athletic, athletic
2: Correct. Yep. And I um, was lucky enough to be with Keegan earlier in the year when he won in Dallas uh, at the Byron Nelson. Uh, that's what got him into that PGA. Um, but it's. Oh, wow it's it's the other opportunities that are created when that happens hmm. that, uh, that, you know, that kind of tell more of the story I mean when you win twice and you when you win a major yeah. here come the Ryder Cups and here come the President's Cups and here comes the foreign travel Yeah, and here comes the him having opportunities to get paid to go play places and to have really cool experiences and so yeah. I get you know you get a small piece of that uh, you know, get a, certainly a lot of those cool experiences and and you know stories to tell and uh, yeah it certainly you get change my world you know not as much as it does for the player but but it's uh, certainly need to be a part of no question
1: like coming down the stretch on that Sunday knowing you know you're holding the lead and stuff because that 18th hole 17 as well 17 18 is predominantly water and there to what well, that path that yeah. par three is a beast it's a beast right okay yeah that that must be. I mean, it must be different to, like, I don't know, if you come down the Valspar on a Sunday, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I,
0: I, was mean, 18, h- I mean, 18 is all water down the left and water in front of the green with the, with the green. Well, it's, it's more just
1: like the, the pressure the and, you know, like the, the elevation of the event.
2: Here's, here's what's kind of... I don't think that I would have been pre- as prepared for that if it happened earlier in my career hmm. because there was a unique calmness for me that day. One, we never really had the lead until the very end. We also, and I'll just retell the story not because a, a lot of your listeners may not uh, know all, but we made triple on 15. Okay, it's a par three. We hit it down left. We chipped it in the water. Had to go back to the tee when we made triple. And we are five shots down with three holes to play. And we win the golf tournament. Keegan Bradley wins the golf tournament. I was lucky enough to tag along and watch part of it. Yeah. But the, the moral of the story is you, you're always in it I mean you may think you're out of it but you know there's only so much you can control you know a couple other things had to happen for us to get lucky but uh, not just get lucky For we earned it certainly but we made triple on 15 and King and Bradley went and hit the best drive of his life on 16 you can hear me even get choking up a little bit he then hit an iron to about 4 feet or 3 feet on for the second shot 17 is a part of three that you're talking about. It didn't have the great club, but we knew where we had to hit it. You, know, you had to hit it past the hole, you know, pins front left. And he hit it back to the middle of the green. And, we, you know, I said something to him going up to the green. Who knows if it helped or if it didn't. But he made this 45-footer on 17 yeah. for two. And, you know, a couple other cool things happened and all of a sudden we're in a playoff. So, it's, um, you know, it's cool. It changed, changed my world. As a, but it's as unique. a caddy, I had a unique calmness about me that, was, that um, I think just comes from experience. Like you know, I said, earlier in my career, I don't think I would have had that. But it also helps, too. You know, Keegan, when we made triple on 15, he was marching to the 16th team. Hmm. Chest back, head held high. He was ready to go. He was not going to let that define him.
0: Mm-hmm. So that, that makes Keegan, my job yeah, pretty
2: easy. That's something that I, obviously
0: with Keegan's personality, right? Like that's most players would be like, "All right, it's done," right? Yeah, yeah. So that's something that easy you, to you, easy yeah. to go there for oh, sure. Super easy to go there. Absolutely. We've all been there, even if it's a you know a Saturday medal on a you know <laughs> yeah. your shot, you know twelve over through nine. You're like, "All right, I'm done." Yep, that's that's special, especially from a caddy too. For I don't know what you said
2: on seventeen, but uh, and I don't know whether you know there are different ways you can phrase things, but like I said, it's your time to make a putt. It's not your turn, but it's your time to make a putt.
1: Huh. And he did. I love that. Yeah, that's great.
2: was kind of cool. He, um, there's a photographer who happened to be on site. who's become a, a friend of mine named Alan Henry. Um, but he was pretty much, and uh, was walking away. After we made triple on 15, you know, his assignment of following us was almost essentially done. But he, so he was, he was way far away. It was, couple hundred yards away on 17 and he took a picture when keegan made the putt on 17 now, right before the ball went in you can see the ball you know on track tracking and keegan's got a putter in the air knowing that it's going in and i've got that the flag held over my head because i was tending it or that's one of the things i do miss is I miss tending the flag I don't get to do that <laughs> anymore um but anyway it's um, it was such a cool moment that it was the only picture that I have in my office of our time together. And then I found out it's the only picture that he has in his office. Uh-huh. So it's a pretty cool Love moment that. for sure. That was pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. That's that awesome. That,
1: yeah. That's,
2: that's actually... That's so, um, you know, caddy splits can be tough. The split with Keegan was not very easy. Um, but on the 10-year anniversary of that win in 2021, I had that picture... Made into uh, jigsaw puzzles, uh-huh. and I <laughs> uh, I sent him a couple of them. You know, some junior size ones for his kids, and a couple of big ones for him. Just nice. as a, hell yeah, just as a way to relive
0: the, the yeah. good times. I for love it. Sure. Yeah, Major championship, yeah. not just for for Keegan, but yourself. Like you, you've had to control them for pretty much like the whole week, right? Especially on that final day. I mean, you. What did you think when he made triple? What did you? Were you generally like? kind of like ah, shit or you're like it's still in there
2: well so uh, can i kind of go back to to that same that same calmness it was and i've had this happen a couple times luckily the you train you know it's it's almost cliche but i was never thinking about winning hmm. okay it was even up going up to 15 you know before we made the triple it was never about i never saw the flag yeah, never saw myself holding the flag. Never saw him winning the trophy. It was so just being part of the process. What are we doing now? What are we, what's this next shot? Obviously, I saw the board. I knew where we stood, and we were close. But it was never all right. We can go make three birdies and go, you know, win this thing. It was just being in the moment, and it's happened a couple of times to me. Sometimes we didn't win, but it's it's really cool when you can get there and separate. You know the outcome from from the process.
0: I think I think that's actually a lesson in general about life: just enjoying the process. It, it, you know,
2: it's so true. And I've always loved, you know, when I was able to come back and with you know, since since 2005. It's uh, it's, it's so much of it has been about the process. Yeah. Even now with Richie, Richie's you know, struggled. He struggled for a while, but that's kind of what makes the process fun and unique. This process is different, but you watch a guy who tried to change his golf swing and basically almost ruined his career and he's working his way back he's starting to play better but that's even that's part of the process and uh, to be fully invested in all that it's, uh, it's and and that's and a newborn that's the fun part of it a newborn as well right oh, he does a newborn, yeah. Yeah. newborn and two swing coaches months. you
0: said in like two months
1: <laughs> yeah I was like, right. that that's crazy yeah. <laughs> what yeah. just, just wrapping up then what do you envision is going to be your future over the next couple of years, you're going to stay in the game, or?
2: Well, I would like to stay in the game, but I'm very realistic about myself. I'm not the cool. I'm not the young kid. I'm not the cool kid either. I know social media, and to be fair, my social skills aren't great. I mean, I, I, you know, I know who I am personally, and I'm okay with that. And I'll go, you know, do my thing. I don't hang out with many people. I don't chat many people up. I don't know where my next job's coming from. You know, I would. My body's fine. My body's healthy. My mind is sharp. I'd like to keep working, certainly as many years as I can. Um, so I don't know what you know uh, what uh, what that's gonna look like for a couple of years yeah you know um, the game's changing too obviously the some of the changes that have come up in the last few months with the no cut events and we don't know what the PGB tour is gonna look like <laughs> or the island tour as we like to say <laughs> uh, um, you know so as caddies um, what are those? Opportunity is going to look like, and, and how many of them are there going to be? But I, I love catting. I love the process. I love um, just about every day being on the golf course. I mean, sometimes Richie's a really, really difficult guy to work for, and he makes my life um, difficult sometimes. I have no problem saying so. I'm grown up enough, and I'll take it if I have to. But interesting, you said that because he did. He was like,
0: you know, I, I, the relationship that I have with with Pepsi is it, it's it's developed over the years to some to a relationship that I've loved. Which, so, yeah, I don't know, you didn't know that, but yeah. um, which is kind of cool because obviously you guys have a very professional relationship and you guys are clearly butt heads in the past, but
2: now and hopefully this week, you guys do something cool. Yeah, it'd right? be neat because it's nice to see him finally going the right direction, especially yeah. when you can see a guy struggle for so long. Yeah, I mean, uh, there are a couple of really cool stories, and I haven't reminded Richie of any of this lately, but there I'm some of my. People that I admire the most are the guys that struggled the most and made their way back. Yeah, um, and there are a couple of really cool examples of that from from Scott Verplank way back in the early '90s, and to, um, to even Brendan Todd recently. You know, guys that just have lost their game and come back and, and had great success again. So um, I hope Richie's going to be the next one. Hopefully, hell yeah, I'd, well, I'd s- love to see it,
0: Steve. It's been an absolute pleasure, my man. So it's it's something that. You know, we've always wanted to get someone who's a professional in the game and who's done it for so many years, and really get their insight—not just from the country club aspect, but the professional, the top aspect. of the game. Yeah, right
1: Cups, majors.
0: Yeah, it's it's awesome to hear it, and uh, yeah, great to see courage, how it's you know. great
1: to see how passionate you are. You, you know, getting emotional, reliving moments. Yeah, yeah, yeah I you know. uh, love that. They're still
2: very—they still are very strong uh, emotions for me. Uh, good, good and bad. The pictures in the office. That's actually
0: so cool. Yeah. Yeah. M- like, how? So, wait, So, how did you eventually? How did you guys know that?
2: Um, I, I think I read that. Okay. I, I th- I'm not sure how I heard it about it from him. Um, maybe even uh, I. Th- you know what? I, I don't know exactly how I heard about it from him, but uh, cool. he is he has had mentioned it somewhere. I yeah. remember that he had mentioned it, and, and so that's uh, it's a cool picture. It really is. And I like telling the story that. It's so weird because people see so many different things. This picture is really, really wide-angle. You see the whole width of the green. You see the whole grandstand. And all I see, the fair not all, the very first thing I see in this picture is the one guy in the grandstand who's standing up with his arms in the air. because He <laughs> knows it's going in. <laughs> I don't know if he's Love been that. sitting there for the whole time or if he's just perfectly right down the line. That's yeah, funny. The- that guy needs a copy of this picture. Because he oh is. We should try and find him. <laughs> you know, we should. We'll, we'll, we'll do a social World hunt a and way. try and find Whoever, him. Whoever, you know, if you were behind the 17th green when Keegan Mate Bradley made that pot at Atlanta Athletic Club, you know, that might Reach be out. you. Like on yeah. podcast. Yep.
1: That would be brilliant. I'd love to find this guy
0: now. That would be great. It. That's our search. Well, Steve, I appreciate it, my man. And have a uh, good luck for the rest of the
1: season. Yeah. Always. Thank you so much.
2: Happy to, happy to be here. Enjoy awesome. telling the stories. Thanks for having me.
1: Christ. <laughs> what an ep. Oh, uh, I'm
0: I'm buzzing. I think it it goes through the roller coaster of emotions, right?
1: It, on a, listening to it back because I've I've done the edit and heard it back. Hearing <laughs> the man get emotional about caddying, that that was brilliant. I love that. The man just loves it.
0: That was quite surprising. Cause so obviously, you know, he's done this for so many years. Then he was going through the course and shot by shot, and I was like, this. He was tearing up. I love it. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it was absolutely it.
0: insane.
1: <laughs> I remember seeing it, and he was rubbing his eyes. I thought, allergy season, innit? And then he told us, man's got, welling up. He's got a pollen. He's got a pollen in it. Brilliant. But, no, I, I, hopefully you guys enjoyed that episode. Big guest, great stories. Let us know what you thought. Any feedback. Subscribe. I'm going to keep throwing it down your throat. Subscribe to throwing the pod. It the it's growing day by day, week by week. And, uh, yeah, this is a start. More big guests to come.
0: 100% What uh, My
1: question was for you
0: Mr Baldman, What was the What was the most Interesting part Of The uh, The recording That you kind of Took away from it
1: I love hearing about The Ryder Cup stuff Because that, that's like The pinnacle Of mm-hmm. golf Like To be carrying a bag Crunching the numbers Reading greens In the Ryder Cup It doesn't get much Better than that Like that's the pinnacle I just think it's cool To like see someone And talk to someone That's been there And done it Twice Plus place. a President's Cup.
0: He got goosebumps as well, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, which, uh, you know, any cool golf experience, even when we talk about whether it's golf or other sports, you, when you get goosebumps from experiences, I think that's unbelievable. Um, do, yeah. you have, do you
1: have a highlight or anything in particular?
0: <sighs> I think the biggest highlight was just where, where caddying has gone and the professionalism. And also the bunker raking. I thought that was very interesting man was very passionate about it <laughs>
2: uh
0: but no i thought it was yeah so yeah we got we got pepsi himself after the uh, celebrity pro-am and he was kind enough and uh, took his time to tell us the very interesting stories of his 20 plus years on tour and we can't thank him enough and hopefully we, we
1: bring you guys more quality guests hopefully he likes his episode as well that's true actually But I actually do have a quick question. We've got to do a quick question. One thing we forgot to discuss, which I was really pissed about after the episode, was that Pepsi was the guy who was caddying when Miguel Angel Jimenez and Keegan had a (laughs) face-off. Right? And he was a guy that got in there and kind of, like, tried to defuse it. So my question is, do we get him back on (laughs) just for a little cameo to discuss that heated confrontation between Miguel Angel and Keegan to see what really happened. We'll get him on the blower. We'll get him on the phone and be like, all right, talk to us. I think that'd
0: be quality. That'd be quite funny. But yeah, what about uh, that? That's eh? it, yeah. First big one, episode 34 in the books first, uh, first public famous figure, which, very cool.
1: Yes, and it'll be back to normal service next week. And yep. subscribe. Subscribe. Again, subscribe.
0: Get on the good old... Spotify and Apple And give us your Five star ratings And your comments
1: And let socials
0: Send DMs Whatever you want But yeah Yeah we got a big week Coming up as well We got member guests Coming up at our club As well as another recap Of what we've been going on The last
1: couple of weeks Absolutely So I guess uh, With that all done and dusted We just got to say Live Laugh
2: Live <laughs> uh-huh.